Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings, and I'm super excited to come to you today for one of the first episodes of the new year. Thank you for tuning in, and we have an awesome guest interview today. We have Mike Platts with How to Hardscape uh, coming to join us, and we got to meet for literally probably about 45 seconds at uh, uh, Equip Expo this year. H&A for you, and we got to just say, hey, mid-conversation, I was talking to Weston, and um, glad to put a name to a face, finally, because uh, we followed each other on social for a while, but we never got to meet in person, so got to do that, and then we just said, hey, man, we got to get, got to catch up, got to get on a podcast and kind of hear more about what you got going on up there in Canada, and so I think you, you might actually be our first Canadian guest, I think. Really? Yeah, wow. I don't think I've had anybody on from Canada, so wow. welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Well, Jeremiah, thanks for having me on the show, man. Yeah, that was a, a very brief moment that we got to meet there. And I was expecting your uh, long, flowing <laughs> uh, hair there. That, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even recognize you. Not yeah. that I had anything to go off of much, but other than your hair. Yeah, yeah, man. I Man, I let that hair go. I've, get, I've been getting all my memories. So, like, you know, the, your photo, your uh, camera roll give you, like, one year memories or whatever. And I've been getting all those memories of from a year, year and a half ago, of where, when my hair was so long, and I, I forgot what even that was even like. I mean, I let it get, I get it to get long, but I, uh, I cut it off short and decided to, to keep it short for a while. So I don't know. I might let it go again one day, though. It's probably better in the heat, no? To uh, cut it off. Yeah, it is a little better in the heat, and uh, it, it, the heat never really bothered me. It was just, um, it was fine anywhere that I could wear a hat. But when I when I couldn't wear a hat, if I was going to church or somewhere dressing up like, and I couldn't get away with wearing a hat, styling it was just. It was no fun. So uh, I, I always tell people I gained a lot of I gained a lot of new respect for women uh, in that time in my life because washing that hair was not fun either. Uh, I, I bet. when I you know when people when women say like I only wash my hair once or twice a week when I had short hair I was like are you kidding me like wh- why why would you do that I wash my hair every time I take a shower and after having hair like that I'm like yeah I see it like I, every every one every, once every three days yeah I'm rocking with that because it was it was a lot <laughs> so. And mine wasn't even near as long as half of theirs, so I, I definitely understand. But yeah, the hair was a short phase. Uh, but yeah, we we got to meet up, man. It was it was cool getting to meet you up there. Did you have a good trip? Was it was it a success for yeah. y'all? Yeah, it was great. Actually, I decided when did it start on a Tuesday. I decided on Sunday that I was going. So I. Uh, no yeah, things kind of came together pretty quick. My wife and I hopped in the car with our two dogs booked an airbnb and uh we're on our way it was a nine hour drive but it was awesome man. oh that's yeah, not was even that bad time. i thought it was no man that's not bad at all i thought it was yeah, further f- than that four hours of it is even just driving through canada just to get yeah. to the border so yeah. yeah it wasn't bad at all so what part of canada are you in i'm in toronto uh ontario here okay i don't know if that uh, helps you put i mean i i know i know the name that like I, that sticks yeah. out to me so are you okay. are you a raptors fan 
Uh, am I a Raptors fan? I'm a Raptors fan when they do well, I guess. Okay. When Kawhi yeah. was there, you were a Raptors fan? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we got to see the, um, the parade. That was great. Yeah. That's, that's when I'm a Raptors fan when they're winning. Let's say y'all don't have, y'all don't have football. Uh, they don't have Canadian. Oh, so we have, we have Canadian, Canadian football. football. Yeah. But yeah. you don't have an NFL team up there. We don't have an NFL yeah. team. No, we got our, uh, one MLB team for the entire country. Um, well, I guess same with the Raptors. So yeah. we've got like one Canadian team. What is Canada's ML- team? MLB is what? Is that Blue Jays? Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are they any yep, good? Blue Jays. Uh, they are supposed to be good, but they're underperforming. And then they were supposed to pick up like a big prospect or not a prospect, but like one of the biggest names in baseball was kind of through. But then I think LA got him, picked him up. That was a big, uh, con- yeah, that's the one, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. If they were going to pick him up, they were going to shell out some cash. He got, he uh, got paid I think, bag. Yeah. I think they were just using Toronto as like a bargaining chip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it kind of, uh, you know, once Torontonians get a pick of, you know, somebody bigs coming to the city, it goes nuts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But, but they, but the fans don't want to pony up the money to get in there is the thing. That's the problem. Actually, our owner would, I really? bet you. Yeah. He, he's, uh he started like the biggest what is it rogers it's like um phone cell phones internet all that stuff really and they've pretty much got a monopoly on on that in canada so so he's got plenty of money (laughs) yeah and i i'm sure he wants to see another um toronto finals so yeah i I bet he would pony the money up i think that dude i think he signed a contract for literally like eight or nine hundred mil um, yeah for it like, was nuts for like eight or nine years so yeah, yeah it was wild um yeah i told i told everybody i said i'm in the wrong wrong the wrong profession i need to go throw a baseball or something so absolutely is he, is he worth that money like i i have no idea i mean what's... he's the best he's he's gonna go down as arguably the best player to ever play um so that's what i hear yeah yeah, yeah i mean he's he's a solid baseball player he he's good okay. on every front so but I mean, unless he's got to bring championships, though. That's the thing. Like, you can you can be good individually, but can you bring your team a championship? That's what right. that's what the fans care about. So, right. It's like I always I always heard Jeremiah Jennings, and I thought, man, that is a baseball player name. I wish I wish I played baseball growing up, but I never did anything with it. I was more of a basketball guy. So, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I enjoy basketball pretty good. But uh, well, man, that's that's cool. That's uh, update. Uh, caught up on sports here for the for the first time. Um, well, man, tell us a little bit about kind of your story, how you got started in hardscape. Um, what does your journey look like? I mean, I don't know. I, I, this is cool for me because like, like I said, we follow along, but I see the, how to hardscape stuff. I don't really see like your actual in the day business stuff. So I want to hear what, it, what's going on for you up there. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, take it from the beginning in 2007, 2008, I was working at a grocery store and also going to school and my manager came up to me and said hey my husband works as a manager for a stone yard do you want to you need more hours in the in the summers you want to go work there so uh that was my introduction i started working at a stone yard uh lifting stones running a forklift running a front end loader and i had like no experience in this industry whatsoever leading into it and i kind of just fell in love with it the the um the installation i i my one of my first weekends there was helping contractors uh install the demo area for the entire stone yard which was really cool uh and i worked there for like seven eight years and through school 
uh, and then started doing side projects and then eventually got too busy to the point where it just made sense to start my own business. So that was kind of my jumping off point. And uh, business has been running for about, I think this is the fourth or fifth season now. And uh, started with low overhead. So I started doing lift and relays, paver maintenance. So that uh, doesn't require the, the big machinery for excavation. You're just picking up the pavers, redoing the base, maybe just the bedding layer, just the one inch layer to level things and then putting back down the pavers. So started with low overhead. That was the game plan. And then uh, slowly got into more design build projects. And at the moment, we're about like 50-50. And I think for the coming season, I'm going to double down a little bit more on uh, the lift and relay projects. But that's kind of a, a summary of my background in the industry there. Well, we're going to dive into you're going to have to speak in uh, you're going to speak in very, very elementary terms here in this hardscape world. I, I know a little bit just from following you guys on Instagram, but there's probably a lot of guys who don't know what any of this stuff means. So uh, but I do know what uh, overlay means and relay. So uh, let's kind of walk through that. I, I think that's a cool niche that I feel like you're doing. I don't feel like much people, many people talk about that. It's more of like, oh, let's get the tilt rotator and the design build and the big pool install and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like you're saying, you're saying you're going to double down on these. Um, what, what all goes into this? I mean, it sounds from the surface like it's pretty easy. You, you pick it up, you fix the, the base and you put it back down. Um, you don't change block or anything. So is, I mean, is it that simple? Like what, what, what all goes into it? Yeah, it is that simple. Um, it's just a little bit more labor intensive because yeah. instead of scooping up the pavers and disposing of them, you're picking them up by hand, cleaning them, setting them aside. Uh, I personally take out the one inch bedding layer, which is just like the leveling layer, usually sand. Sometimes it's a quarter inch chip and I replace that because usually that's got dirt and weeds in it. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit more labor intensive and that's why people kind of pass it up. Also, as people grow and add pieces of equipment, their overhead gets larger and they price themselves out of the market for this type mm. of work. Um, and I think that that is was my main competitive advantage back when I started my business was that I, I kept my business lean, small, low overhead. And I knew a lot of contractors working at the Stoneyard. So I just reached out to all of them and said, hey, I'm starting my own business. I don't want these big design build projects that come in as leads. I will pass them off to you. I just want all your uh, lift and relay projects, the crap that you don't want. So that's that's how I started my business. And I think it's still like a really great business model, especially with all the work that's been done these past few years and the demand that came in. And uh, say maybe sometimes less than savvy contractors coming in and, and filling that demand. And I've seen tons of even last year, uh, clients reach out to me and asking me to do these lift and relay projects because they were done the previous year and they're already failing. So I see like a, a big market for it in the near future, but also continuing forward. Uh, and it's a great way to have a small lean business and make good profit on each project. Mm, that's good. I, I guess like you're saying, you, you kind of get a feel for what companies are installed in the right way and which ones aren't uh, doing this kind of work. Yeah. You, well, the ones that aren't don't last too long. There's yeah. uh, people that come in that go pretty quickly. Uh, but the ones that are, are uh, wanting to do good work and provide that quality of service for their clients, they're the ones that kind of stick around a little bit longer and you get to know them a little bit better. 
So even on the even on the ones that are um, installed correctly, what is a typical lifespan on a patio like that before you do have to go in and at least repair um, some some divots or whatever, like drops in the in the uh, base or whatever? Well, it all depends. I mean, like good good compaction of the subsoil. We use uh, a fabric to separate the subsoil from our base material. We use GeoGrid. It's like uh, uh, a mesh that goes in yeah. between the base material to be able to stabilize the base material. And, um, like we haven't seen knock on wood major failures. And I've been installing like side projects since, uh, 2013. And even going back to those projects, they still look great. Wow. Uh, but there's still things that can happen for sure. Like with yeah. your subsoil settling, especially with new builds, that would be a big thing. Uh, that that subsoil settling eventually, especially around the foundation, that's where major failures come from. But uh, for example, I do a lot of lift and relay work in a certain area, and their driveways are about 15 years old, and they're showing signs of rutting. But I also know that that contractor didn't use a uh, soil separator, a, a fabric, or a geogrid in the base material, and things like that. So. Um, yeah, it, it it varies. It's it's a tough question to answer to give you like a solid. Yeah, this is yeah. what it is. Yeah, but yeah. if done correctly, you get a pretty good lifespan out of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, and then the good thing about pavers is that you can lift them up, uh, re level, and put them back down. Right. Yeah, and you can do those individually. Like right, yeah. if you like have a just a, a small area. You can yep. go in and do that. Absolutely, that's cool, yeah. man. Well, it, it, you talk, you do some design build. Uh, what does that look like for you? Have you kind of taught yourself that stuff? Um, all the big, I mean, what kind of equipment do you have? Things like that. Yeah. So, uh, design build, I taught myself, I guess, for sure. Uh, my designs are not anything amazing. I'm more of a simplistic, uh, two tone, get a, get a contrasting border to the, uh, interior, maybe do an inlay. Um, that's, I, I'm more of a simple style when it comes to that and design build. How did I get into that? Just as projects came in as leads, uh, you would get like lift and relay, you get known for that. So that's kind of the leads that came from other contractors or vendors that you do business with. But you'd still get those leads that that came in that were looking for a new patio. So I kind of built up that portfolio as I went. Uh, but that mostly started with the side projects. And I was able to use that portfolio, do some Facebook ads, get more of that work in. And going into what was like 2020, a big boom in our industry, I wanted to get more and more of that design build work. Uh, but I also wanted to leverage the lift and relay work because material shortages were coming down the line and I wanted to not have any pockets in my schedule. So mm. uh, I kind of balanced those two and continue to balance those two because of that. That being said, uh, my passion is more in the design build work, but the business model of lift and relay has me kind of holding on to that and wanting to uh, scale that because it's a, definitely an easier to scale business for sure. So that's kind of where my mindset's at. Uh, you mentioned equipment. Equipment, I uh, solely just rent. So Really? That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I have all the smaller stuff that you would need, a couple con uh, compactors, saws, all, all that basic stuff. But when it comes to like a mini skid and that, uh, I service quite a large area. And it's mostly because in my personal situation, we don't have like a defined space area. Uh, location that we're going to be living for the long term okay so until we figure that out uh where i started my business is actually about an hour away and that's where most of my word of mouth clients come from so i still service that hour away area 
as well as everything towards me. So it's quite a large area. So I want to have that flexibility of not having to know where I'm going to put my piece of equipment for the weekend or um, during between projects, anything like that. So I just get equipment dropped off to me and picked up. Uh, even when it comes to disposal, I get bins dropped in the driveway and they do that for me. So yeah, that's, it's, probably a more unique business model than what people are used to in the hardscape space but that's just how i operate there now that's in, that's interesting do you get now do you catch flack from that on that from anybody about the whole renting versus buying thing oh I, i'm sure yeah I, I get the odd message and i'm sure uh, people think differently about that but um it, there's just like it, it wouldn't make sense any other way given my personal situation as yeah. well as uh I guess business wise, um, and my own headaches with what I've got going on with not just my landscaping business, but outside of that, how to hardscape and all that I'm doing there that I don't want to be spending time fixing a piece of equipment that goes down, uh, in the evening. I want to be, uh, wash my hands clean of that, call the rental company, say the equipment's giving me some troubles. I needed to fix it and come home and have still four hours that I can work on, uh, in the evening instead of, you know, figuring out what's going on with the machine, which I'm not a mechanic and I have no idea how to get into that. All I know is hardscaping. So, uh, I, I don't want to do anything that's out of my specialty, I guess. I think you're hitting on something there that, that a lot of guys overlook is, is that, that downtime, the repair cost and time involved there is like, if you're not mechanically inclined, I kind of see where you're coming from on the rental side, because if something goes down, like you take it back to them and you let them fix it, or they send out a, a rep to fix it on, on site. And so I think what that boils down to is how good of a rental yard do you have? What, what kind of access do you have to that? We yeah. don't have anything like that near us that is that gives us good availability. That's why we bought our mini skid this year, um, just because we we were relying on the one machine that Home Depot had, and so right. that's like we just wanted a good spot there. But if you have someone something like that, I mean, by the time you, you do, you spend more on rental. Yes, you're going to spend more on rental, but like you're saying, it's kind of like a leasing program. You're, you're when you lease your vehicle, you're going to spend more leasing, but you never have to do the maintenance on it. Like you turn it in in two years and you go get a new one, and you never do any maintenance, and so like. That downtime, the time of you fixing it, the time of you doing the oil changes and all that, I would like to actually see the cost difference in in the two uh, over yeah. a over a, a one or two year span. Yeah, and cost difference is a good thing to get into. Uh, I've run the numbers, and it would make more sense for me to own a piece of equipment. That's for sure. But uh, in terms of flexibility, and in terms of uh, my own personal life, it just makes sense. To where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, that being said, like the flexibility in my projects, we're doing projects that have 36 inch access and less. We have projects that have 48 inch access into the backyard or more. And renting allows me to get the perfect piece of equipment for every single project. Yeah. It could be a uh, mini X for a retaining wall. Or it could be a like a, the miniest mini skid steer that fits in that 36 inch access point. Or uh, or maybe I could get a, a larger mini skid into a 48 inch access point. It just it, it if I was to purchase a piece of equipment, it would have to be something 36 inches wide or less. 
And then when it comes to those larger access points, I would want to get a bigger piece of equipment for more efficiency on that project. So yeah, renting gives me a little land. bit of more of that. Yeah. That flexibility there for sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I think that is a, it's like you said, it is a unique model, but if it fits your situation, it fits. So, so rock and run with it. Um, how many yeah. guys you got working with you? Uh, I had two part-time this past year. And that's always been a difficult uh, point for me is the yeah. hiring for sure. Yeah. What, yeah. what are you trying to, what is the goal? The goal is to, once I have a defined location uh, to really hire and uh, have at least one crew do that lift and relay work and use that as a training ground for a design build uh, crew. So maybe two crews, uh, at least, but to have those two different divisions, uh, because lift and relay is a great way to introduce people to how to screed, how to get something nice and level and how to, uh, just like the basics. Yeah. And then, um, that design build is more my passion area. So whether it's, I have two different businesses and I scale the lift and relay business, or I have two different crews and one is a training ground for the design build crew. That's kind of where my mindset's at with that. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, the, I, I, I'm in a similar boat. Um, we've, we've had guys, we had part full-time guys this year, but I haven't found that key player. I haven't found that one that is just going to like take our business to a new level. And so what have been your struggles? Like, do you mind sharing with anybody? Cause I think that's, is a, that's a huge pain point that a lot of guys are dealing with is employees and finding the right people. Well, once again, my situation is a bit more unique, whereas I uh, not only need the employee to have a valid driver's license, yeah. which can sometimes be difficult, Oh yeah, but they also have to be willing and able to drive, uh, large areas yeah. right even upwards of an hour and a half in some cases and, and with traffic and all that especially living in toronto uh it's it's very difficult to find that specific employee so i, I think once again very unique situation uh, where I, I need people to be flexible to what i'm doing essentially okay yeah i get that. that's tough to find yeah yeah it is you got to find you got to find that right person that just fits the mold perfectly. Um, mm -hmm. but, yeah, you just keep on searching and, and trying to better yourself. And um, it will, I think it will come down the road. So that's really cool, man. Well, you got anything? What's that? What did you got? Well, I was just going to say, like, I, in, in personally, I love being in the field right now and I love building things. And that's where my passion lies. Uh, until that kind of changes, uh, I'm not in a huge rush to find, like you said, that, that number, uh, two person or that person that's really going to take my business to the next level. Right. Cause right now what that would look like for me is somebody in the office. And, uh, I know eventually I'm going to be, want to be more in the office as my body, uh, shows more and more signs of wear and tear. Yeah. And, uh, so I think I've got like a few more years of being in the field and building things that uh, I think are cool before I really double down on what the future of the business looks like there. Yeah, man. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, yeah, I totally see that. So that's awesome, man. Well, it sounds like you had a really cool thing going on. I didn't realize you'd only been in business four or five years. So that's really cool. Um, we're kind of on that same timeline. This is our fifth year in business. So um, we're just wrapping up year five. So that that is awesome. Uh, I think that's nice. that's cool to hear you're getting to that 
you get into that like pivotal make it or break it point. Uh, a lot of guys don't make it to year five, um, but you still got year five to ten. Uh, those those are going to be some tough ones too, and so we're we're working through that right now as well. I'm excited to excited to keep up with you and follow along on that journey. Uh, some more on the actual business, but tell us a little bit about how to hardscape. What have you got here? I mean, you got a podcast. You doing two podcasts right now? Like, what else do you have going on? Yeah, uh, how to hardscape. I started in 2019. It was just like a logical way to uh, interview people, not only for my myself uh, to get more business background knowledge as I started my business, but to also uh, get that out there. Like a podcast just makes sense for contractors have an earbud in your ear while you're working or on the drive to the job site. Uh, it actually started with the website earlier in that year. So we were doing like articles and stuff like that. And uh, the podcast came after that, the Instagram and all that, uh, just like an educational platform more so for contractors. And then I started a YouTube channel. So if you are more interested in my personal business, it's I am a hardscaper there. Uh, so two different delineations of how to hardscape is more community based. I am a hardscaper if you want to see what I do as a business owner. And then uh, you mentioned the other podcast, The Not Our Finest Hour. That's with uh, Paver King and the Landscape Daddy. We do that once a week. And uh, that's just three contractors sitting down and talking about whatever comes to mind, uh, especially with the life of being a contractor and where they uh, those guys are at with their businesses. They've got many, many stories to share. So that's also a, a good thing to, to listen to there. And, I, and I've never personally listened to it, but I have heard it's not for everyone. <laughs> that is uh caleb Amon there uh a famous quote that we reference quite a bit dude every time i see that intro that y'all made that is one of, i i i cry that is one of the funniest <laughs> things i've ever seen in my life did you do all that editing i i yeah i put that together that was my original piece of music uh my voice throughout it yeah i That's put that together hilarious yeah. dude if y'all i think caleb that, took it from us yeah, exactly. He took it from y'all. Uh, if y'all haven't heard that, where where is that on? Is that on the Instagram page? Yeah, there. Uh, it's on the Instagram page there somewhere. It is. Yeah. Uh, you got to go listen to it, guys. So what what they did? A little rundown is you took you took the uh, Kid Contractor Podcast intro and then just like cut out cut out words and put not our finest hour in there, and it was oh, it was funny. I should we play it? Should we play it on the air? Can we do that? <laughs> Will we get copyrighted for that? Uh, well, uh, I think you have to ask Mr. Producer. I don't know if uh, not see. that he might be the original uh, producer of that piece of music, but I don't think he would care. <laughs> Let me, if I got to find it though, if I, I don't, I'll never find it on here. If you y'all post too much. Y'all maybe I can content uh, creators. Maybe I can uh, send it to you really quick here. I don't know how. If it. Uh, I wanted to see if it would pull up really fast. It's all good. All well, right. if you want to listen to it, guys, go check out the Not Our Finest Hour Instagram page, and it will it will be it will it will brighten up your day for sure. If you are in the in the dark in the dark in the dooms because it's winter time, it's cold outside, and it's gloomy. This will uh, put a smile on your face. So, well, man, that's been uh, it's been really cool getting to catch up and kind of dive into some of your story some more. If if people want to hear more about what you got going on, I mean, you said go to I am Hardscaper. Is that more of like a document uh, documented thing of like what you're doing? I think you said like more of your business stuff. 
Yeah, I'm a hardscaper is more like, uh, oh, I started it to put installation videos out there so that I can use those videos in my proposals, kind of set my set myself apart when I'm sending a proposal to a client to show them my face and exactly how I construct a project. Uh, that was the main goal of it. And uh, but that became more and more helpful to people kind of watching. And uh, now it's kind of evolved more and more to just like my daily life as a business owner, uh, especially this year, I'm going to double down on that because there's only so many installation videos that you can uh, put out there before it gets repetitive. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the uh, YouTube video, uh, YouTube channel there. I am a hardscaper. The world of documentation is such a cool thing. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. Like, cause like, like you're saying, it doubles. People can go watch it and learn from it, but then you also get to show off to your customer. And yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I think one thing that we're going to try to do in our future is like with training um, courses and things, just like for our employees, is just document what we're doing in the field and what does it do. It teaches it teaches guys in one. 130 45 second video on like a property hey this is what we do here and it streamlines the process of me having to be there to show them and yeah. so i think that people are guys aren't using video documentation the way they should and photo documentation as well um how does how key is that for you and your business as like do you take a ton of before and after pictures as, as of these projects because my question is like how does a warranty situation work on these relays because like you're not obviously not warranting any of the block or anything you're strictly yep. just doing like the base of the project so how does that i mean is photo and video documentation huge for you for sure and just like riffing off that i tell everybody just film everything that you do not only for like you said documentation if yeah. the client ever comes back to you but also for you yourself in the future you never know what you might use that footage for whether it's starting a youtube channel and using that as b-roll or that is training i've also created training resources because one of the biggest things on exit interviews with employees has been hey i, I just wish i kind of came into this knowing exactly what we're getting into yeah. so we actually created uh training resources for that uh and a software to go along with that for business owners and the goal with that is to scale it to be able to create a training and onboarding resource and a, a path forward for employees in your business that you can show them hey if you do abc you'll get to this point in the business uh and so on there so like I, I tell everybody just just film whatever you do uh in terms of warranty for lift and relay work we present three different packages for lift and relays when we are talking to a client we do um the basic package would be lifting the pavers removing that one inch bedding layer putting a new one inch bedding layer down putting them back uh polymeric sand done uh the second package would be reusing the pavers still and excavating the base and doing a new entire base putting the pavers back down and polymeric sand done uh and then the third one is would be like a, a redo everything new product everything like that okay. it, it just helps the clients see like it, it do we go the more economical route are our pavers still nice do we like them but also provide an upsell of that uh you know what this would this is what it would look like if we redid the entire project which option do you think you see the most of uh, the first one for first sure one. especially when it's like a lift and relay somebody reaches out to you but a lot of times they all they mostly ask like so what would it cost us if we redid everything uh the second package nobody ever goes for really but it's just like uh it's just uh you know what this is 
because at, at that point when you're redoing the base but reusing the pavers yeah. all they're saving is like a five dollar square foot charge for those pavers which mm-hmm. is nothing much right so it's just there to show them hey this is the option if we redid the base and we provide you a warranty because option a doesn't provide you a warranty but option b does provide you a warranty but hey if you spend five dollars a square foot more we'll give you a brand new project and our warranty yeah yeah, because, yeah, by that point, you've got everything torn out. You're already yeah. going to have to lay things down. So all they're paying for is just the cost of the new block, essentially. Plus exactly. Your, your markup and stuff. So, yeah, that that's cool, man. Well, I think you did send this through. So uh, I want to <laughs> let's let's do the outro here, and then we're going to end with this intro song and let everybody go out on a good note. But where can everybody find you at, buddy, if they want to catch up with you more and hear more about what you got going on? Uh, how to hardscape i am a hardscaper wherever you want to go whether that's community-based or my own business-based you can find everything there all right guys well mike thank you so much for coming on to the show today and joining us Uh, i appreciate it hopefully you have a great 2024 and uh, go into the year strong i know you will um when do y'all usually start back up your season uh usually sometime like mid-april lately Uh, usually mid-april to late april we get going Awesome, man. Well, yeah. keep it uh, keep it strong over the winter here, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you definitely over social and then hopefully again next year at Equip. But guys, Absolutely. go check out Mike if you want to hear more about I'm a Hardscaper and how to hardscape, and uh, go check out the podcast they have going there. But without any further ado, you're about to hear the greatest intro of all time as we use it as an outro. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next one. Intro music for us here, guys. Let's hear this music. I'm Are you pumped. guys ready? Not our finest hour podcast with the landscape daddy and I am a hardscaper. On this show, we talk shit. Your host, the landscape daddy, runs a successful seven-figure business and has over 20 years in the industry. The kid has learned some valuable lessons he wants to share with you. The principles discussed will energize and empower you to crush your goals. And now from the studios, <laughs> not our finest hour podcast with your host, Aver King, the landscape daddy, and I am a hardscaper. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green podcast. It is an honor to have you listening and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.